0: Jeff Cinelli, and we're here with Kaya. We're going to talk about movies and music, and pirates, and we are sure to take a few detours along the way because <laughs> I can talk. But let's get into it. Yep, thank you so much of for uh, for inviting me to your oh, studio. of course, it's
1: great. Uh, it's great to see you again. Yes. And uh, you know, you were my first interview ever on yes. Call Music Media. Yes.
0: That was maybe what was it, like ten years ago. Yeah, It was,
1: like, it was when uh, uh, the Pacific came out. The Pacific. Okay. So Got then it. I found you. Good. And good emailed good. you, and you gracious enough to answer your yeah, questions yeah. and so, so, thank you for that of course no. <laughs> so no, no, no years later but uh yeah we
0: must have this must be our fourth or fifth time so i feel yeah, like a, yeah we a did bunch. a bunch <laughs> yeah. but hello again
1: um so yeah let's let's start fresh though because i know a lot of people might be you know seeing you for the first time um i would love to then kind of revisit your background and kind of how okay uh you know growing up when did you kind of fall in love with music and decide <laughs> okay this is going to be my career path and what was the i guess the the catalyst that said film and film
0: music right well okay so i was i i'm a much later bloomer i think than most right musicians um i i didn't become one until i was sort of days away from turning 15 it was -hmm. was literally the first day of my sophomore year of high school uh, and what had happened was, uh, you know, the cliche story, I found a guitar up in the attic. Right. It's actually on the wall over there, that one. And uh, <laughs> and one of the strings was broken, and it was, you know, I have older brothers, and one of them uh, played it. Um, and my mom's found me at the <laughs> dining room table trying to glue the string back together with super glue, which that's how green I was. It, it, right. That doesn't work, in case you weren't um, But she's like, how about we just take it in and we got it restrung and happened to pick it up on the way home from the first day of school. Um, anyway, th- what that really means is by the time I was ready to go off, you know, to college that age, right. I was only a three-year-old musician. Yeah, right. And I grew up in the suburbs in, in Orange County. The city's called Westminster. mm mm-hmm. Um well let's see so after i've had that guitar for say a year maybe then i started to have a band and play bad music and, <laughs> and um but there really wasn't uh i didn't feel like i really wanted to be in a band for the rest of my life i certainly right. enjoyed it it was for fun but there weren't really professional aspirations for me for that right. um partly because i don't see myself going on tour it wasn't really that appealing to me and and also you know I kinda like the idea that a piece of music can be longer than three minutes or shorter than one minute right. or you know like there's no there really aren't you know songwriters I think have to deal with a lot of constraints about right. the form of their music and I think um, even with instrumentation even with there always has to be a singer you know what I mean there's a, there's a certain amount of handcuffs I think that come with that um, And the music i was doing even with that band sort of wanted to go bigger and you know and i think at some point i started going well how how would i get to like change styles change hats change approach over and over and over and i think it it sort of naturally leads you to film um and of course in retrospect i mean i was a huge film fan you know i grew up on adventure movies like I mean, literally, like every weekend, it was Beastmaster, Clash of the Titans, right. Indiana Jones, <laughs> yeah. Star Wars. It was a great time to be a a, a film watcher, right? You know? Yeah, because um, it was the beginning of cable too. Because you were, so you're getting all the kind of movies that you were too young for when they first came That's out okay. onto you on your television, and all these great, you know, really beautiful films coming out in the theater. So. Um, and I had John Williams albums and stuff like that mm. the Star Wars stuff and you know yeah. and it, it's evocative and interesting and different right from right. the pop records that I would be listening to so i guess it sort of felt natural that i would want to do that and especially cuz i just like learning about a new instrument or bringing in a you know now in my work bringing right. in a new musician or or um even just buying a weird instrument and messing around with it until I can do something of my own with it. You know, I, I yeah. just... That's like a, like what I do in my spare time. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and I think that it becomes a part of the way that I work. And so, anyway, it sort of naturally led me off into film music. But the reality is, you know, in the city where I grew up, uh, I don't know if there was a recording studio. There might have been.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Certainly wasn't any film music. Right. There were no... Um, there wasn't really access to like a mentor you yeah. know, for that kind of thing. Right. And so I didn't have, um, I didn't see another way to kind of get to that besides mm. college. Right. So then yeah. it became like, I think I'll go into music and you know, that you didn't have <laughs> that history a... ties. Right? I so, didn't, yeah. I none, like so, literally yeah, yeah. none. And even though I was only 60 miles away from where we're sitting right now, it's a whole other world. Yeah, you know, for it's a, sure. it's, it's, uh, it's a totally different yeah. world. Um, so, so off I went to college as a three-year-old musician. And by the way, when I left, I was like the best guitar player I knew. And then when I got there, I was like the worst guitar player in the school. So it was like every every community sent their best musician to school to this to to Berkeley right. in Boston, and I very quickly, you know, was humbled by that. But at the same time, I knew I, I wasn't uh, aiming for a life as a performer anyway. So right. I, I was thinking of it as. Um, I wanted to be writing music, and I also was really intrigued by um, the studio itself as as an instrument, kind yeah, of. So right. engineering and production, and that right. was all interesting too. So I studied all that at Berkeley, um, and then somewhere in there, I guess it was in my second year of college, I started looking around for internships and again not knowing anything about it yeah, and yeah. not knowing a soul in Los Angeles right. I sent out a resume to you know 60 studios or composers wow. anything in this rec- record industry source book that I found yeah. that listed film music as any part of their business got got a cover letter and it will work for free you know for me and you know, and, uh, you know green enough to think I'd get a bunch of phone calls but I got one right, right. and it happened to be the receptionist uh, at Hans's studio, Hans Zimmer's studio he's doing right. The Lion King at the time oh my goodness and it was so like you know well you know, maybe why don't you come in Monday we'll see if we hit it off. and it was so non-committal yeah <laughs> that I thought oh man I better not mess this up you know like if this is the only thing right and uh, and of, and I was excited. I mean, gosh, you know, it's like yeah. that was literally the first time I walked into a professional studio. Mm-hmm. So I came in, talked my way into an internship. You know, not not fully fathoming that like the actual Lion King was being written. You know, yeah. just in that room over there. Right. Um, but I certainly knew who Hans was. He would already done um, Rain Man and stuff. Right. I mean, he'd done a lot. There was a lot of yeah. There was an awareness. But yeah. um, well, actually, in some ways. You know, The Lion King was a landmark score for him, too, of for course. For sure. So like,
1: because before, he, yeah, it was like, because he got an Oscar nomination. I
0: he think. won for that, yeah.
1: For, for Lion King, but I think yeah. with Rain Man... He did have a nomination, nomination. Him, So he was right. kind of in the... In the.
0: He was yeah, in the mix. Yeah,
1: he was out there, people were yeah. taking notice. Yeah,
0: Absolutely, sure. but I think The Lion King, you know... For sure. Was yeah. like, it really elevated yeah. him as a composer, just in the world of, you know, the public side. Right. Um... It was one building back then. You know, I mean, you you know this place, but there's there's like eight buildings yeah. and I don't know, 20, 30 composers now. But right. this was one building and you know, eight rooms or something. <laughs> um and uh but look, I got really good at picking up food, <laughs> cleaning <laughs> dishes, <laughs> paying a lot of do, I mean, you know, cleaning the toilet. Uh, this was my job for a long time and it was um you know, in exchange for just getting to be around it, right?
1: Yeah, Which was the stuff, goal. Yeah.
0: And I got Really good at walking into and out of a composer's room slowly, because <laughs> you never knew what you're going to get to hear. Right. There's always music in the background. There's always right. you know a director making a comment, and you know. So I started to kind of parse a little bit of the culture of filmmaking from that, because right. I didn't have access to that either. Yeah. Right? I didn't know how a director talked. You know, and if you read the biographies at the time, you can read, you know. It sounds like the composers are throwing chairs at the orchestra and screaming at their director. and right. You know, that's not really how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe it was once, but those days are over. Right. <laughs> so, so there wasn't really any way for me to absorb what yeah. it's like until, until I got here. And um, because I had an engineering background, I, you know, I got to be buddied up with the um, engineering staff and Alan Meyerson, for instance. Yeah. So, um, it wouldn't have been that first summer, but I interned here for three summers in a row, actually, in between going to college and the winters as well. So whenever I was back in in uh, Westminster, right. I made the 60-mile commute five days a week to get up or wow. sometimes seven, you know, wow. just to be here. And then when everyone went home or my shift was over, then I stayed, you know, and I was like, yeah. oh, what can I do? What can I hang out? You know, and I'd just go into the – the mix room was a favorite for me because I, I, I loved hearing the elements come together. And then once I had enough um, – Trust, yeah. Uh, they would let me put up an old master tape or, or like a twenty-four track of yeah. of a score, and I learned orchestration by soloing through. You know, don't tell the studio. <laughs> <laughs> by soloing through these things and going, oh, here's here's Hans's woodwinds. Here's what he did when you know. And I I right. remember really distinctly taking some of the um, songs from their Lion King record. It was called Rhythm of the Pride Lands, which yes. some of it ended up becoming part of the musical right, and all. Right. But I knew that record, and I would go, okay, what's the drum part do? What's that do? You know, or I'd grab scores or whatever, yeah. whatever I could find. <laughs> and um, kind of start to learn orchestration by going through those individual stems of, of uh, other people's music. Um, and then somewhere around it, so this, I guess in terms of timeline, right after I finished college... Uh, I'd already interned here for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came in for that third summer, and it was right after I graduated. Um, started working as a tape operator in the studios. I'd play, record, rewind. You know, This was back when we had tape machines. So yeah. if Alan was mixing, I was rewinding the tape and hitting play You know, right. so that he could mix. The Preacher's Wife, for instance, was a score I remember working on. Um, and then you know, I was about to take a job in their dub room where, you know, back when we had those things, mm-hmm. which, which is a room with, like, 25 cassette tape machines and you're <laughs> copying stuff from CDs all day, you know, for whatever needs to happen, right? right. Um, and right before I took that job, I sort of got a lifeline from John Powell, actually. Cause it's hard to imagine wanting to be that, that guy, but I was going to do it yeah. in the dub because I didn't want to go home. You know? right. But John said, hey, you know, I need an assistant, and I, and I got the job for him. So that was that was actually my first... Really, my first salary job in music. So that would have been 96. He was just starting a face off. Yeah. And he was moving into the studio here when they we had now a third building, I guess. So we, <laughs> growing. the buildings are going, <laughs> yeah. and um, and I uh, sat in the back of John Powell's room. In fact, I actually built the room, you know, with pretty, all the, pretty put pretty all the samplers yeah. together with um, some of Hans's techs. Mark Streitenfeld was yeah. Hans's tech at the time, and so he designed the room and we built it together. And I was the guy that loaded the samplers for John during Face Off, <laughs> awesome. uh, and i but I was his assistant for three years, yeah, so yeah. and just. I mean, you can probably sort of track it if you look at my credits. Over time, John would start to, you know, allow me or, or trust me, I'd say, to do um, arranging work, yeah, which would mean, like, here's the love theme. You want to just try and work up a version of it for this scene, and he'd go home, and I'd work overnight, and he'd come in in the morning and throw it all out tell me why, <laughs> and, you know. Yeah. And that was my <laughs> my new trial by fire. But over time, I eventually started, you know, like actually building up a uh, professional skill set yeah. that, um, that meant I could help John in a right. different capacity. And, and once that went on, I'm trying to remember, I, I mean, I must have done maybe 10 movies with John and, and um, probably ever-increasing amounts of music uh, I mean, versus technical that, yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. And then somewhere around that three-year point is when Hans was starting Hannibal, and he says, you know, There's a broom closet, (laughs) and you could move into that. No, (laughs) he said, would you want to help? And, of course, I said yes. And so, you know, that's where that started, because that was when I was, you know, when I was able to sort of free myself up from the, you know, the day-to-day technical work of supporting another composer, and now I I had to do it for myself. But but I was also writing on Hannibal, you know, and it was a good, you know, a good... um, Experience because then I did another who knows twenty maybe movies maybe more with right. Hans yeah um, as his arranger. Uh, I mean they always go down as additional music so right. and I think it, it's kind of a hazy line between arranger and additional music M- right. most of the time additional music is the appropriate credit for what I did but, um, and with Hans you know the responsibilities grew too I think you know I think in Hannibal you'd you'd find maybe two or three things that you, I could call my own so to speak but yeah. then um, I mean there was a bunch of them Pearl Harbor I worked pretty hard on then uh, Last Samurai um, and then Pirates came along right might have been before Last Samurai probably they were sort of concurrent yeah. I mean I think people kind of know the story there. Hans yeah, was Hans, was, Hans was, was scoring Last Samurai and then the Pirates kind of kinda yeah. happened yeah. Pirates kind of happened and, and you <laughs> know so there was a certain amount of um, uh <laughs> delicate ways of handling the moonlighting. <laughs> yeah. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I do remember though, getting a call. It was a weekend, and Nan's just going, you know, come and look at this thing. It's right. You know, it's so up your alley. I think you're gonna like this. And and he was showing it to at that point maybe six or seven of us, um, because.
1: Because it needed
0: work, there was some work to be done and and a very and a very short, short schedule yeah well,
1: it's, i've heard yeah. I've heard the rumor of two three weeks
0: I think that's right, I believe it was i mean if it was twenty three days, I'd be surprised wow you know? <laughs> yeah, crazy. so I mean it was literally come and look at this thing, and you're starting tonight you know and yeah. but i but I watch it and I thought, wow, this is really cool yeah. and there was the there was a suite of themes um which is out there. people actually have gone and you know I think Han's released it actually His, yeah. he wrote a kind of a uh, suite of a whole bunch of themes. Mm-hmm. Overnight one night. day. one. So like day one. 14. I think it yeah it has a yeah. name like that. It says it, the time yeah. when you finally passed out at <laughs> <Exactly>. the computer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it's funny because, it, you know, as the, as the cue goes on, it gets sort of thinner and thinner. But what's yeah. extraordinary about it is the bones of everything are it, it there. It ends
1: with know? a drop zone, which is the funniest part. because it, yes. And he told me it was like because it was in the trailers. So I just threw it in there. Yeah, exactly. Right. In the, uh, drop yeah. <laughs> and it's in there. And it's very, you know,
0: yeah. by the time you get to the end, there's like a little ticking drum, I think. Yeah, and yeah. just a string's patch right. only and he's kind of bashing away. Some of the earlier stuff is more fleshed out. Yeah. But you know we all watched, and I think all of us in that room. I'm I'm gonna just guess the people who would have been there. Mostly the additional music credits on that film, but yeah. Blake would have been there. Probably Bruce Fowler, who orchestrated the film.
1: Trevor uh, Morris. Was, was
0: probably. It? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of closing my eyes, trying to remember. Steve Jablonski was in there. Yeah. He was. He was only able to do it for a little while because he started doing Bad Boys at the same time, so right. we had to move on. Right. But um. Anyway, look, you know, Pirates was one that I just, I clicked with and it clicked with me too. I mean, you know, it was just sort of something about the, that rock and roll orchestra treatment. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's really a lot of irreverence in the music. Yeah. Not to mention, like, just Jack and, I mean, the whole thing. Right. The whole... Even making a pirate movie that year was irreverent, I think. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of, like, really mm-hmm. ballsy movies. Yeah, like
1: no one expected, like, oh, God, this is going to tank. There's no one going to No one was believing it, I think. Right.
0: right. Now, yeah. I I mean, I remember hearing... Here's two things I remember. I remember hearing, oh, they're making a movie out of out of oh, Disneyland, ride. Right. And I'm like, mm, how's that going to work? And then I remember seeing a teaser trailer for it right. before I was involved. I remember the skeleton foot yep. coming down, and it's like a little bit of the underwater march. Yeah. And I went that is amazing. Yeah. Like, I want to see that movie like right now. Yeah. And the next thing I know a couple of weeks later, I mean, I am seeing the movie but I'm right. also working on it. So. Yeah. And it was so crazy fast. The first thing I did for that pirate movie was I took Hans's He's a Pirate, mm-hmm. the thing we all call that now, um, which is in that demo, and I worked up a totally different arrangement of it, right. and that became—I always called it "Broadside," but it ended up on the album called *Barbosa Is Hungry*. Mm-hmm. You know, the sort of big butch one with the you know yeah, rock yeah. drum fills and everything. And that was the first thing I did, and it was a big hit. You know, right. and it's like Hans even got like, "Okay, we're gonna here we go," and he, and that—I guess sort of—you know—solidified my position on the project or something because yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I started to. Kind of pollinate a lot of the movie with that kind of stuff, and I did the Moonlight Serenade, which was again from one of Hans's um, very rough maps. But you know, remember when they're throwing Kira Knightley up and down yeah. in the ground, and they're all skeletons. And uh, da, 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 like, yeah, 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 exactly right. <laughs> and and Hans had very roughly mapped out that and given me a couple of riffs, and then we worked, you know, very closely on the arrangement for that, um, and some other stuff. You know, I think all told, maybe. T- 25-ish minutes of that score came from me. So, you know, I felt like I played a big role, and I think, um, you know, that was probably the first of the movies that I did with Hans, where I felt like, maybe even with John, maybe the first movie ever, where I felt like my work was really important to it. Yeah. And, like, my voice was being heard. Right. You know? Um, that was really exciting, you know, really exciting. And th- there were, I guess, there's a few other early career projects that I can think of, but that one, that one really stands out for me, you know, because it yeah, was just like, sure. I, I, I get it, you know, I get yeah, yeah. this movie and I get the, the characters and the, you know, I, I pro- maybe because I came up in bands and I played guitar and so yeah. like I just applied, my life to this version of right. orchestral you know writing. Yeah. and
1: out. i guess i guess that first one was kind of a band effort because it took a yeah. took took a village to pull it together yes. I mean, <laughs> that's clearly. right well but the
0: pulling it together thing was like yes. that was that was some you know that was i think more hans kind of yeah wrangling us like i right. I, I really don't um i don't think when i'm in the role of additional music that that's my job yeah, my job is to write what I think is right for right. the scene, and we'll see what happens, and then we, you know, and then we talk about it. And if there's a way to make it right. more cohesive with something else, great. But more often, what happens is you write something that's sort of undeniably right or good yeah. or yeah. great if you're lucky, and um, and that starts to inform other scenes in the movie, right? You know, and then it and then it becomes cohesive because it it starts to you know spread out a little bit, and that yeah. that definitely happened in Pirates, right. you know, and so. I mean, just to highlight the the early part of my career and the additional music credit, sometimes it means what I'm saying, which is you write a piece of music, it's really a lot you, even though it's yeah. inspired by, say, Hans's theme, but it's coming from a point of view. And that sort of grows and starts moving into other parts yeah. of the movie. Other times, you know, you're the person taking one of those things and applying it into a scene, right? right? So what I always found interesting is, you know, I have plenty of additional music credits where I was just doing that. Hannibal yeah. is a good example, you yeah. know. So, but the credit means something different. I mean, <laughs> it's the same credit, but the actu- it can the, mean a lot of different, different things. Yeah. So the credit is, itself is pretty <laughs> 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 nebulous, yeah, yeah. you know. It What it means, though, is that you've done something more than just, just sit it. around and chop something into a scene, Yeah, you know? exactly. So, but yeah, I mean i know we sort of already got into pirates but that's why uh, I mean, um
1: yeah we can uh, i did want to ask i think one of your first credits was teen angel i want teen angel <laughs> jeff rono's jeff tv Rono, show yeah,
0: yeah it was, i'm sure that was before pirates. <laughs> yeah. um and that and that was really just look the rigors of television right. right and and he probably had a he i think he had a show called profiler and Maybe Chicago Hope Chicago at the Hope, same time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. so. There was, you know, if he'd get in a crunch, he'd call me up, and, and I would take was, on some. Yeah, TV's
1: a crazy schedule anyway. Oh, so I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: totally. Yeah, and yeah. and so I did an additional music credit on Teen Angel. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't even know where that music is anymore, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but yes, yeah. that was an early one for. <laughs> yeah, very, I know,
1: and I was like, look at, it, I was like, that's hilarious. That's like, that's
0: yeah. <laughs> t- <laughs> no, I remember actually getting a royalty <laughs> check a few years ago. <laughs> Not a few years ago, it was maybe. 20 or something but the check was for like $3.80 or something and in fact it's framed it's on the other side of that wall because yes, exactly. I'm like I couldn't be able to cash it I'm instead going to spend $50 to put it in a frame and put it on my wall. you know and might as well just say like never forget where you came from because exactly. you know we, we talking about my upbringing but we, I didn't grow up in a musical family exactly. at yeah. all my father's deaf practically you know I mean he no, no. he he. I shouldn't say deaf but you know he's very hard of hearing he needs hearing aids he, he reads right. lips you know and um no one else really played i mean there was a guitar in the attic because no one played it yeah, you know what it was i mean in the attic, yeah. that's why that's why it was up there so it was something of an anomaly to go into music to begin with right. and on top of that no connections to the film world and you know we didn't have um disposable income (laughs) you know what i mean so it wasn't like i could just go get a guitar you know i had to go work and earn one so and you know i'm the youngest of six kids and that's a hard thing to do even when you have a lot of money but we didn't so you know just i guess what i mean is like there's something really um it's a real blessing that i get to actually do this yeah
2: you know what i mean Yeah. yeah so uh
1: one of the kind of the the first like great directors that you got to work with was david Kep, and yes. i think secret window was very early on too yeah um and you, you went on to of course work on ghost town and mordecai with david right um but just just when you secret window that was again johnny depp you scored Johnny yeah. in a lot of <laughs> movies too
0: yeah i think it's nine actually yeah, it's I, think, I actually think it's I nine know. johnny depp movies um, but yeah secret window so
1: when was you start working with a, a director who's also known for being a writer you know david wrote jurassic park and still writes almost every big blockbuster out there um what what was the kind of process with that and how was philip glass involved with that because i think philip was credited as a co-composer but uh, you guys didn't did you guys work together at all
0: no um no uh the call that i got from david kepp actually was Based on Hans's recommendation, I didn't right. know him before the project, yeah. you know. In, the, in fact, let's see. So it was a Sony movie called *Lea Valla* at Sony. Mm-hmm. Sony called Hans and said, "You know, we have some scenes we were hoping we could get a, a look at from someone." And right. Hans said, "I have, I have the guy." And so what ended up happening was I got sent, I think, two scenes, and scored them overnight, and. Um, <laughs> fedex them now that i think about it because we had to yeah. back yeah <laughs> i couldn't email it no <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> i fedexed it to david um who called me up and said i really liked these i'm going to send you one more wow. and then i did it again and then i did it again, and did it again. you know and the next yeah. thing i knew i'd sort of done about half of the movie that way uh, anyway but after s- that was 13 days total mm-hmm. writing time that i had on that movie so after the first seven we had our scoring session and um, recorded it all. They were dubbing already. So um, I sent them that music and then another batch of scenes, you know, and they kind of just kind of kept coming in piecemeal almost. And David was very engaged with me. He was in New York and so we would, you know, sort of be like ships passing like he'd call me in the morning i'd go into work send fedex things and it was funny because yeah. was, i was living a life based around a fedex deadline like how late can the, bo- <laughs> the tape go in the fedex <laughs> to get to him tomorrow morning in new york or whatever so it's like it kind of a funny way to work but um but it worked out you know and then after that sixth day i remember i remember two things about that i remember somewhere about halfway through Developing a very bad tooth, <laughs> which eventually was a root canal, oh, wow. but I didn't have time for a root canal. Oh, my so I was just like Tylenol, 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 <laughs> and trying to get through it. Yeah, and we got to the end, and then I also remember, of course, with a schedule like that, you're not sleeping much. And I, we got to the end of the, um, we recorded the s- score. And then well, there wasn't time to go to another studio to mix it, so we mixed it on the scoring stage. So uh-huh. we recorded in the morning, and then Alan Meyerson was mixing it, and I was exhausted. So I literally laid down underneath the console while he mixed, full volume, passed out, <laughs> right? And this is, this is what I remember. I was completely asleep as he mixed, and then when he was done and ready for me to listen to it and give my comments, no, I, I remember this. I remember, like being asleep but somehow still being aware of all this loud music and drums and people right. getting murdered and everything and then it just everything goes quiet and I hear Jeff and I'm like alright let's get to work <laughs> I as I will sit back in the chair and we get straight to it I'm like up with a hundred percent energy like all right let's get this done we're gonna we're gonna get it to FedEx because it's 2:30 and our deadline's five or whatever it was. and who knows how we got that to the end of that but wow. uh, that was crazy that was fun though you know and and then it did of course it led to um you know so every movie he's directed since then i know right. that's not true with you premium rush yeah diff- what happened it
1: was it just a scheduling thing or no did they, want they, to go they, a different direction yeah
0: or? they wanted to go um into like a they were keen on david sardi who i think exact. wrote that great score for yeah. zombie land if you, yes. did you see that yeah and um and it's very much like from like a rock record right. production angle and all that and yeah, um yeah. so they wanted to get someone who was you know deep into that and then when david kept came around to mordecai it was like. He had these ideas, a similar idea with like, I have this retro sound in my mind and right. I love what Mark Ronson does. And he called me up and he says, you know, I missed you. Here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Do you like Mark Ronson? And I said, of course. I-. And he's, you know, like yeah, yeah. I'm as excited as he is. And he says, let me, let me get you guys together and make sure this is cool. And, you know, so Mark actually came here one day when he was in L.A. And it was sort of like instant. You yeah. Know, oh, this is going to be fun, man. Let's do it. Because, yeah. you know, Mark. Mark and I do things that the other can't do or doesn't do. Yeah, you, know? you complement I mean, each other with exactly, skills, you know, exactly. other skill sets. yeah, skills, Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, so it was like, this is going to be really fun because there was no competition. It's like, I'm going to learn a whole bunch of stuff from this right, guy. Right. And I think, I hope that he thought the same <laughs> yeah. thing. And then, you know, the next thing, you know, this room is filled, I mean, literally filled with instruments. We had mm-hmm. organs. He rented in and brought in his <laughs> actual vintage equipment. And, <laughs> if, I mean, we were literally like, teenagers in a bedroom you know like playing like pretending we were in a band although we actually were actually professional (laughs) musicians you know so and then it that was so much fun you know and then we'd we'd jam and kind of come up with ideas and just have a good time and then we'd go back to our own respective caves and work on stuff and you know it was it was awesome because i remember we came back together after the first sort of round of that and i had written all this um these tunes, and he had written all all the his tunes, and we sort of went like that plus that. Let's do that right now, and yeah. we sat down, and, you know, right. and all of a sudden we ended up with one of the one of the main cues from the film, which is like, you know, kind of a perfect, you know, symbiosis of what yeah, he and I yeah. do. And it was so
2: fun.
1: You so know. as you're working with David across these films now, yeah. um, and you build that kind of relationship and that trust with the director. Does it get easier to work with a director, yeah, uh... or does it get harder because he knows you
0: too well? And be
1: like, No, Jeff, I know you, what well, you can do, and he maybe he'll call you out your bullshit a little bit more. No, it's, it's not so much
0: that. No, no. Okay. the thing is, he's he was easy to work with yeah. from the beginning, but I think only because the very first thing that I played for him, you, you know was already where he wanted it to be. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, so that was a very good way to start the yeah, relationship. It yeah. came from me. I mean, just our instincts matched or something, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. like, it, cause it was really a shot in the dark. I don't think I talked to him even for secret window. I talked to Leah and she sent it to me and then, and she, um, liked it too. And she sent it and then he was like, Hey, this is going to work. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, but we've, I think David and I've always had a good shorthand and there's no, he doesn't. He doesn't pull any punches, but he doesn't need to. Do you know what I mean? He he
1: comes from a writing background, too, so I feel like that gives it a different. Because you're a musical writer, and he uses words for writing, and and he writes the films, and he directs, and and, uh, I think, is he more compassionate than other directors?
0: You know, I don't know if it's... Well, he's certainly compassionate. I don't know if it's more or less... um, But I do find, since you said that about him being a writer, Mm -hmm. I find that writer-directors... And I tend to click much faster. Yeah. Um, which isn't to say that you don't yeah. you build a relationship if they're not yeah, a writer, yeah. but I just mean the the mindset is really yeah. similar. You right. know, this you have the same where you have, both people have to be totally willing to be vulnerable. Exactly. You know that. what I mean? And there's something really good about that. And so right. and you know that about each other. And it doesn't matter if he's David Kep and he's like, you know, the most successful screenwriter, he's he's still a writer. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Right. Like we're still, we're both still, you know, and I think, um, I, I'm not so sure that writing words and writing music is all that different. Yeah. I Although don't I don't so. think I'd yeah. be good at writing, words. you know, so there's yeah. some, there is some difference, <laughs> but, right.
1: um, you're, you're, you're writing for different things. You know, yeah. Yeah, I think the script yeah. is giving you a structure to fill in. It's sure. It's being said of the words, but you're still, yeah. so you're still telling a story. Yeah. The... Yeah.
0: I guess I think it's, you know, music is, wordless right I he mean you can make something. a song but yeah, uh, yeah but right and it's, yeah and you're trying to get at you know I don't know how to put it I guess language is is sort of something that gets applied over people's lives and emotions right. I mean like the you know humans lived a long time without English yeah you know what I mean right so so they communicated differently and now now there's this layer of you know that helps us to talk to one another right. music I think is sort of in between you know in between that sort of primal yeah, yeah. <laughs> grunting <laughs> <laughs> not to sell it short or anything but yeah I, I don't know I mean it's it's a wordless thing right but it still taps into emotions in the same way that actually words do the very same thing you know, right. do the same thing. I just don't know as many words as David. <laughs> <laughs> even even his emails come across like poetry yeah. to me. <laughs> so that's like <laughs> Well then you also worked with yeah.
1: David Tchovney on yes LCD, who's a writer director. A writer, but he was he comes more from acting as well. He does. So yeah. does that bring a different aspect to him as a director? Um, maybe oh. maybe, not, maybe it didn't work because maybe it was I shouldn't be the actor to probably talk about that because he was working with the actors. But with yeah. you as a composer did you feel any difference from him coming from an acting
0: background kind of primarily. I don't know. Uh I think I felt more the sort of writer director
1: yeah.
0: thing again. Peter Hedges is another example when we um right. did Odd Life of Timothy Green together. Right, right, yeah. Um but with David and David that by the way was my first solo credit. I I think it maybe overlapped or was right around Secret Window. Yeah. Um but I may have finished it first and it came out second one of those kind Yeah, of yeah. Thing. But um David was His way of connecting was, I thought, really interesting with me. First off, he's a writer, and that's a good thing, and we had that going for us. But he did a really cool thing very early, probably second week of the process. And he says, let me come over. I want to have a listening party. And he goes, pick pick ten songs, ten pieces of music that you want to play me, not yours. Great. And he came over, and he brought over you know cds in a bag (laughs) this was a while ago (laughs) and i mean i remember him playing it It was interesting because some of it was music from the 70s which is the period that the movie was set right some of it wasn't some of it was scores some of it was songs and he just and it was almost like we didn't really talk about the songs that much Mm -hmm. he goes okay your turn and i I don't remember exactly everything that we played Mm -hmm. but it was kind of like let's just you know Obviously, the point was to pick music that related to the story somehow, right. you know, for some reason or another. Which, And in some cases, it might have been me going, I just like the sound of that guitar, right. you know, and that's yeah. why I'm playing this for you. And in his case, I remember him playing a song that had, like, there was a timpani in it, and there was like um, sort of this little whistle kind of sound as part of the backing track, and mm-hmm. he's like, that, uh, forget everything else, yeah. those two things. And by the way, they have nothing to do with the score we wrote, but it was something about, you know, Don't, I like how they interact, yeah. there's something that's innocent and big. Mm-hmm. okay. And we started to kind of like circle around the ideas yeah. for the score. It was really quite cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: and poetic almost, right. and artistic, and, you know, and it found... Um, That was one of those ones where it kind of finds its way into the score, but I don't know how or I can't point to it, Mm. what it was. But that was the important meeting for the whole movie. It was really like, here's how we're going to, this is a good way to connect. Yeah, for sure. He's a, by the way, was a, a huge music consumer. And and just because I happened to already like '70s music probably helped me get the job. Uh-huh. But like I was, you know, we were singing Yes songs all the time, you know. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, and but he knew. I mean, he was an encyclopedia of yeah, of,
1: you know, that, that, it, it classic was, yeah, awesome It was with. really yeah. Cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so kind of moving down, you kind of entered into the um, the miniseries space with Into the West, yeah. which I mean, won you your first Emmy, and. Yeah. Um, and took forever to get a score released, so you finally got it out yeah, just a few, a few years ago. Yes, but, I uh, did. Like, um, <laughs> and it's such an amazing piece of work. Thank you. So when you approached into the West and tackling something that was mm, pretty massive, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, what was the approach there? Was it any different than, because you'd just been doing kind of films up to this point, and I was like, okay, now score. How many, how many hours of music was this? Yeah,
0: well, it was, so it was a six-part six, six part part? miniseries. Right. And so they were, it would each run about an hour and a half or something, so nine hours of footage. Wow. Um, uh, And most of it, six hours of music, probably, something like that. Yeah, it wasn't Um, all the wall, but
2: it was... Yeah, but there was enough. There
0: was enough. But it's daunting, too, you know, because, I mean, at that point, actually, you know, I think it was after Pirates, which I think is important Mm -hmm. because that, Pirates was, you know, me really showing that I can succeed on a project of large scale yeah. right and i think if it weren't for pirates i don't know that anyone would have been like oh, let's get him to do our 300 million dollar mini series you know right um so but they did and i wrote um yeah. some demos to get it although they felt more like a formality because it clicked pretty quickly yeah. you know my ideas were already working and you know um i remember writing the main title in the first round which is largely unchanged in the, in the actual show, right. and that was a good way to start. And then the um, there were really sort of two halves to the score because there's the Lakota Nation, which is you know um, influenced by all the uh, like ethnic music. There's a lot of Native American music um, right. in that, and then there's the settlers. And then the really important key thing about the show, it's actually even one of the characters says it. You know, there's good indians and bad indians there's good white guys and bad white guys you know and that was like that's you sort of have these two halves but there's good and bad on either side right and that meant that the themes had to sometimes do this and sometimes do this right? right and so that became like the architecture of that yeah
1: you know but but billion across that is <laughs> hard. Shape, yeah, to keep well, sure, like, how do you keep structure and focus with something like that? Well, right.
0: So here, and here's the other added complication: they they had not finished shooting uh, episodes three, four, five, and six when I started on one and two. Oh wow! Right. So, yeah. and, uh, so I was doing one and two concurrently. Um
1: did you have the scripts for the other ones yeah or the some? outlines at yeah. least you
0: know i don't think i had the scripts but i had like a plot outline so at least right. i knew characters the where they were going to go yeah. and could try to plan it out right. you know? um and it's because the story takes place over i think 80 years yeah. you know yeah. uh something like that and so some of the characters are with you for most of that time you know right. see so, so i had to really find a way of like You know, these this tune has to be versatile. You know, and this is maybe just this episode specific thing. Quantrill's Raiders, for instance, I think in episode four, was like sort of self-contained. But then there's like, you know, all sorts of characters that last forever. (laughs) Loved by Buffalo, I think. Anyway, it was all like it was a balancing act, right? And then and then getting to bring in the ethnic influence was awesome because. You know, one of the directors was brilliant on the set. Some of the actors, just during breaks and stuff, would start playing music. Mm. And so he would go to them and he'd say, well, hang on, let me, come here, let me record you. we we'll, you know, and, and get them on the contract and everything. Record them playing out, just there on the set. Yeah. So I got this sort of uh, package of mostly uh, flute, woodwind instruments, flute instruments, that... Um, actual performances. Mm-hmm. Some of them were songs that they'd either passed down or improvised on the set or, you know, but they were authentic, Yeah. you know. And then I I started um, some of the early things I was doing, even without thinking about the picture at all, I took some of those performances and would write a string arrangement around it because now I'm bridging, right. you know, yeah. the Western orchestra with, with this, you know, genuine performance yeah. and it starts to get really interesting. Same with some of the vocals and some of the percussion that I could sort of start to bring into it yeah. and um, but at the same time what it does is it, it made it so that I wasn't just writing like a period score or something right. and, and frankly it's it totally offensive for me to pretend that I wrote authentic Lakota music yeah. I didn't right. you know, and I wasn't even trying to but right. what I have is a performance from you know, someone who you know don't you think that that gets into the blood across the generations and it comes out in the music you know so that they were sort of willing to sort of let me do that with their music was really a huge benefit i think yeah it found its way into the score in a lot of places um but it's daunting really to i always thought of it as scoring a movie and then five sequels right after (laughs) you know which is different actually from the pacific which maybe we'll get to talk about which was yeah jump into pacific because that
1: was um uh, again, you did with Blake and, and yes, Hans and with Hans, did, yeah, and Hans, and and I remember you telling me that you guys split up the characters, right? Was yes. The, yeah. So you were, eventually, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I was.
0: Yeah. Well, was, the the yeah. original idea was gonna be, you know, Hans will write the main title, right? And Blake and I will just sort of alternate episodes. Yeah. But I think before we even really started, we figured, no, 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 hang on a second, because there's there's characters that track across, yeah, all these episodes right. and certain things, and what we ended up doing was more like what you're saying. So Blake scored most of the John Bazalone uh, sequences. I scored most of the Lecky character. Right. And then with Sledge... Um, by the way, this is not like a hard and fast rule, but more or less, mm-hmm. I did the um, his war story, and Blake did his home story, because he had, like, home, and he comes back home at the end. Right. Um, and then within that, that's not the entire score, because there's, of course, like certain specific... Um, uh, episode specific things right. but that that was kind of how we broke it up but the the thing is we could do it that way because they had shot all 10 of them at once, once. So you had a complete thing to yeah. go from, from the start versus like exactly
1: just the first you know, if you have, if
0: you have yeah, I had two episodes, and I'd get them one after another yeah. after that for Into the West. But for Pacific, we had all ten. Right. Um, and at some point, you know, you whittle the schedule down, and you go, okay, we're going to go in this order. Right. But at least we, before we did anything, we watched the whole ten-hour show. Wow. And, you know, and, and it was longer than that because they were still editing it. But yeah. we could see it, you know. Yeah, taking uh, shape. And... Yeah, minus all <laughs> any <laughs> graphics or visual effects yeah. that needed to get put in. But didn't you say it was like nine months of your life, was it? That was nine months, and I think Into the West was as well. Yeah, they wow. were both, 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 long projects. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. But working with Blake, I mean, when you were when your characters met in the same episode, yeah. um, did you guys meet meet up and be like, okay, how are we gonna handle this? Well oh, no, we
0: were in sync the whole time. Yeah. Okay, so it was. Okay. You know, I mean, like we, all the meetings were all of us together. Right. Yeah, yeah. So there wasn't, you know, there wasn't so much of that. Um, I mean, like that was that wasn't such an issue really. Yeah. yeah. We just, we just, was... um, we kind of knew where the other one was heading. Right. You know. I mean, trying to keep the, amazing. keep the train <laughs> yeah, on the tracks. The <laughs> whole experience is amazing. Oh yeah, no, it was it was it was big, but you know, <laughs> the other thing, in in both cases, I have to point out, which is a, such a luxury, is that we had a live orchestra for every note on both of those, that's which is really not. I mean, you're seeing it more and more in um, now on, on television, I think, right. but um, at the time, especially, that was unique. I mean, in the case of Into the West that was my choice and and it was you know uh, my money to spend or not i guess you would say you know nice. i remember in an early meeting and they were like are we going to have an orchestra and i said what do you mean are we? of course we are you know yeah. and then when i found one that we could do it and with the pacific it, um we did it all here in la i mean we, it was it was great it was awesome yeah yeah it was
1: good so uh, you know after it, um you know we just talked about into the west and uh yeah. um the pacific uh and uh, I know you're working on a pretty big game right now, Star Citizen. Mm-hmm. So that's going on. So you also, earlier, you kind of did a, game, a movie called Gamer with yeah. Rob Williamson. I did. Um, and then you did a Call of Duty mobile game. So you're kind mm-hmm. of in the did a bunch space of those, yeah. a little bit <laughs> yes. earlier back then. <laughs> well, and Hitman, actually, and is another one, which on was based, based on a video game. game. And, right. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of, but now you're kind of entrenched into Star Citizen, which was a yeah. Kickstarter-funded game. And yes. It's,
0: and it's been in production for quite a while Um, I don't know how many years uh, three, four maybe yeah Um, But what's the status on that because I think it was supposed to come
1: out last year or this year yeah
0: I mean I think well there's two there's two aspects to that game one of them is they're making a persistent universe right which is actually not what I'm writing music for although some of what I'm doing may kind of pollinate in Mm -hmm. that but um I'm doing there's a single player the game in there called squadron forty two right and so you know both of those things are being developed concurrently because there's a lot of shared right. you know technology between the two um and in fact, I just read that they just i think in the last week crossed over a hundred and fifty million in crowdfunding so wow. you know when you say crowdfunded <laughs> it's so often <laughs> it's somebody you know <laughs> it's a hundred and fifty million dollars yeah. you know it's like and I don't think even chris chris Roberts, who's making the game yeah. had did not see that one coming either you know i think he was looking to get a little Mm -hmm. bit of seed money to kind of get back into games and in fact i don't know if you noticed he also um produced a movie that i scored called outlander oh that's right so that's how i know chris yeah and when um i started hearing about star citizen you know we (laughs) we got to talking and he's like yeah you gotta let's let's do this it's really gonna go and you won't believe this we have 20 million right now (laughs) you know (laughs) and it's just like and just going going (laughs) and um you know at this point like even just last week they're sending me videos of gameplay mm-hmm. so I can see what the, how the levels are and you know yeah. I, I think I'm probably about an hour into that score already okay. for um for what uh for what we're doing and that's just gameplay music so we're doing yeah. a lot of like cutscenes and I haven't done that oh, yet no that's, no, that's separate that'll all okay. be separate um so no I mean like actual in-game right. you know so that one it's been really fun there's the audio team in London, which is Lee Banyard and Ross Tregenza, they uh, are really articulate about what the game engine can do. Uh-huh. And on top of that, if I think of something and I say, well, can it also do this? Yeah. They go, well, let me get back to you. And then they call me a week later and go, yep, you can do it. Yeah. You Because know, wow. they have programmers <laughs> there that can, you know. Yeah. So we're able to find, you know, we're finding all sorts of dynamic Ways of you know controlling the music dynamically as the player's playing. Right. What I'm hoping is that the game engine will make at least some of the decisions that I would make if I were scoring the game as if it were a scene. Right, right? because
1: I, a lot of game composers I talk to, even, they they will write the music, but it's really up to the developers and programmers to... To implement play, it. So how it plays to the, to the audience is you don't really know because, of course, the, right. the player dictates the pace and everything. So, right. so if they're right. programming something that pretty much... kind, of, You're saying kind of scores it? Yes. For kind of... You, yeah. you give them the puzzle pieces yeah. the, and the programming kind of puts it together, right? Is Basically, that, yeah. right, yes. And
0: what, and what I think is... Interesting about what you said is, I think it would drive me crazy if I were just sending music off into the ether and and they were putting it in. Yeah, you know, didn't know like what it was going to happen. Yeah. Right, because they'll send me the videos and this is how it's working right now, and I'll go, hang on, we got to do this. This it doesn't work when I transition from that to that. How can I fix it? You right. know, because it's true, you don't know when the player is going to do this or yeah, do that. Right. But you can, if you set it up in exactly the right ways, you can get the engine to sort of stay pretty tight to the player's actions and have it not feel choppy you know it's it's a trick (laughs) and it's not easy but that's (laughs) what we've been up to (laughs) you know and so it's like what it really means is it's it becomes very um much about building uh like a like a matrix of content so it's like It can go up or down in intensity. It can go, you know, bigger and smaller in terms of size. It can get more intense, less intense. It can switch to heroic when it has to. It can switch to something dangerous or bad, you know. And there's all these parameters that the game is keeping track of. How many people are you surrounded by? How much danger are you actually in? Is your ship damaged? You know, and all of those things are actually getting shoved through the music engine, too. You know, so... I mean, the reality is, it's already there in the game, right? The game right. knows how much damage your ship has, and things start flashing. So right. you know what I mean. Like yeah, yeah. it's so it's I'll just our, do the same thing with music. Yeah. You know? So well, I want to hook into those things, and yeah. I want it to become a part of what the player's experiencing. Okay. So <laughs> it's re- it's cool. It's really hard because <laughs> it's also like then you go like instead of just going. If I was scoring the scene and it was two and a half minutes, so it's two and a half minutes of music. Right. But if you're playing the game. Uh, you know, you end up having to have fifteen minutes of music, yeah. knowing the player's only gonna hear two and a half, depending on when they do such and such. Yeah. So there's a, you know, there's a, there's a gluttony involved, or a, <laughs> you know, remarkable inefficiency in the writing process. And then it's like, you know, what, what, what's the location? What's the geography? Are you inside? Are you out? Because the game goes from first person to in ship, and then, you know, you can you can do like a what do they call it? Um, like when you're outside of the ship but tethered. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean. Like um, like a spacewalk, spacewalk yeah, yeah. And all there's all these different game states, so to speak, and they're all, um, you know, the music responds to them.
1: Well, that's gonna be an awesome experience. It's gonna be cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the current date is. 20, uh, this year I think is it this year maybe they pushed it well
0: what 20. I saw recently made me think that that's certainly possible but yeah. I really yeah. states,
1: you know well that's the great thing about games what I love because a like, movie you have a hard day yeah. you have to meet that day but gotta meet just, they just delayed Red Dead Redemption and it's like we, right. we want to make it perfect and, and yeah. the gaming audience is like we embrace that we, yes. we're okay with waiting Blizzard did it all the time all, when, I was, to, yeah, when I was a play. young
0: gamer it was like when is Starcraft 2 coming out <laughs> when am I getting to play that you know yeah. and, they, and Diablo and like their whole they always did it and Every single time it was worth it, it's worth it. Yeah, that's the thing. Because when when an unfinished game
1: game comes out, it's no fun. (laughs) No, I know, yeah. Um, so before we jump back into pirates, I do want to ask about you, you know, you had this really popular piece that ended up in the Legend of Zorro trailer. Um, oh wow, okay, yeah, there
0: was a piece that. (laughs) I think, I don't know where it came from,
1: but do you know anything about Well,
0: no, I, th- I remember writing something for the Legend of Zora trailer, yeah. so it might have been bespoke to Because the... it, it had a very That's piratey funny. theme. I, I yeah, a yeah, it would have been, it, I'm sure it would have been after. Um, yeah, I mean, the, and there was some... Because you don't usually, you don't do advertise music. How did that like, happen? I think it happened, Leah Volek again, actually, at Sony. Oh, yeah, it was a Sony film, yeah. 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 And, and and she called and said, hey, you know... You wanna look at this trailer, see if you have any ideas. And then it ended up actually the piece that they used, they ended up, um like merging it with, because trailer music is its own thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And and those guys, you know, they know how to do that thing yeah. and there's a certain sound. And so what what they ended up doing was taking my music but having someone who works in that world like sort of layer in the extra thousand drums or whatever it is you know (laughs) and then and then it gets combined with the sound effects and so it's really interesting to see how those are built because it's not always music when you think it is or you know some of the whooshes and the whizzing yeah 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 but that's that's funny you bring that up but yeah that's that's that was me that was (laughs) me
1: So we talked about Pirates One. Let's jump back into Pirates. So the movies continued with yes, Dead Man's so Chest and At World's End and um On Stranger Tides yes. and Hans those. of course you're a part mm-hmm. of those. Um so you and you built up a good relationship with Gore. I did. And um Gore did part of the project and after he finished his trilogy and um
0: so We that, still did Rango together though. And Rango yep. and Lone Ranger. And
1: Lone Ranger. Yep. And uh which I loved, so Thank <laughs> I know. You very he, much. I'm sorry I had to bring the William Tell Overture No, no, no! Indiana hey, again. man, I, I spent a few on months
0: that. on the William Tell Overture, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the I, I gotta tell you, the thing I loved about it was that whole train sequence. Right. It, it, like, it sort of took on this life of its own. And I feel like know. it was a short film that yours, were, or actually, yeah. I mean, Like, yeah, it was a short I mean, like a 10-minute sequence of <laughs> yes. insanity. So, yeah, let's talk about that briefly because that oh, was, sure. yeah. Because yeah, it, it's so operatic in a way. Like, we right. were talking about everything is in sync with everything in that movie. Yeah. So, in fact, I even took the train sound effects and cut them onto my click track so yeah. they're going you yeah. know, at my tempo <laughs> so that everything is just always like rattling at yeah. the William Tell overture right. truly and you know as they were working they would um, I would work with Craig Wood who's the editor and go if I can have two frames here can you and then you can have them back there. Can we do that? You know, wow. And we yeah. were really getting scrutinous about this stuff. Because you're, you, were, him I mean, too. you yeah.
1: weren't like, you know, it wasn't like a Looney Tunes Mickey Mouse thing. But no. you're you very tight to the picture. It's very though. tight. Yeah. Yes. So it wasn't yes. comical. To, I mean, there was a little kind of comical. I mean, Johnny's performance is a bit yeah. Buster Keaton y. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was with the cuts, with the like action in the scene on the frame. Yeah. It was very yeah. close to that. So, I mean, was that process started while. Every, well, the rest of the movie was being put together how early did that start in the production process
0: <laughs> that started before they filmed it yeah because yeah. Gore um, had mapped out the whole sequence a lot of times a director when they're mapping something that complex will make an animatic they right. call it you know, which is basically a very rough um
1: a kind of visual... Effect, yeah, the visual
0: like, effect. CG I mean, version. you know, a little polygon... Yeah, like move here. <laughs> tonto right. moving around yeah. on the on the train and all that stuff. And, you know, get um, the space of the
1: scene. Okay. Yeah,
0: exactly. And get the geography and start to build right. it that way. And in fact, they started with that. It was maybe six, seven minutes. Uh, sh- No, it was only about five. And they um were cutting the William Tell Overture to it. Now, the thing about the William Tell Overture, it's a long piece of music, but the stuff everybody knows is about two minutes long. Yeah. Width. Um, and the music editors on the project were cutting it in and finding that it became very repetitive because there were sections that they had to use three, four, five times because it's, yeah. to kind of build it so Gore actually called me while he was working on the animatic and he says, I'm really trying to map the scene out, yeah. it's not quite working, do you want to take it on? so I actually scored the animatic like that, right, mm-hmm. and then I remember him going you know when we film it you know some of the timing will probably change a little <laughs> and like of course I we know that yeah, you know? Right. and then we and we comes back and then the the scene was actually almost twice as long because there was so much good content and they had all these great ideas and right. how long certain shots wanted to be and I think they must have added to it and um so then it really had to be reworked from that point and then on top of that you know as the scene was getting tighter and tighter and tighter i mean i remember even jokingly asking the editor if he could cut half a frame because it'll help me stay in sync you know yeah there's no such thing of course (laughs) but he um you know we got that as tight as we could and sometimes it would feel like i always described it as you know picking up the golden gate bridge and moving it over two feet you yeah. know but like by the end of it it becomes such a massive sequence and um, right and if you touch something here yes it'll affect something oh completely
1: very, yeah, change everything there so
0: and if you think about the william tell overture it's so um, modular you get yeah. Dun, 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 and you yeah. can't do one without the other, right. you know. And, and then the four, you know, and the phrases all want to be married to one another, and you really have to be super cautious about. You can't just take one out, you know.
1: And did you already have Hans's themes at the time, or were you no? Already... And it
0: was so it was mapped out with placeholders for a lot of right. that stuff, and it, some of it actually stayed in, but in other cases, like the silver theme, yeah. when he pulls out the the gun and he's ready to shoot, that yeah. was a late add. Once the theme was written, right. it wasn't before. So at the at that point, I would have put in. I don't know. It probably just some sort of a placeholder for um, what I thought it might be, or maybe actually I think in that case it was more William Tell overture right there. Yeah. But then once we had the silver theme, you know, I mean we knew we had to get all the themes to right. work together. It's the yeah. party at the end of the mo- record. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like you know every like a song that builds every instrument's there by the end of it. And yeah. it was all the themes had to come in and, in certain ways. And because because
1: I mean, think uh, because Hans wasn't supposed to score that movie. I think originally it was um, Jack, Jack White. Jack White. That's and then he right. He dropped out. And and then...
0: Actually, now that you mention it...
1: So was that a Rush thing, too? No. Yeah, I guess, uh, no, it wasn't Rush. Um, was, I thought he was doing Man of Steel at the time. Was it like... A, or did he come on? No.
0: It, oh, yeah, he was. That's right. But it wasn't a Rush job. Okay. Um, w- let's see. The... That's right. So probably when I did that animatic, it was still Jack. Yeah. Wow. And then I think at some point, it, you know, it looked like that wasn't. Oh, I don't. On. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, think that so the Jacks music still stayed in. That's the correct. Film, it's like in for the, the 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 brothel scene or something. That's like that. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's in there, and it's all it's great. Yeah. I and mean, you can cool see stuff. where it was headed with yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, I think I think it's hard to imagine taking on something of that scope as your first film. Do you yeah. see what I mean? And and on top of that, you know, Jack's busy. And, and I, I think the schedule moved. Anyway, who knows? But um, when Hans came back onto it, I had already been working on the William Tell overture. Um, but let me
2: think about this for a second.
0: Because I worked on Man of Steel only for about two weeks, and then I started getting back into the Lone Ranger score... I think at the time I thought I was gonna do Man of Steel, you know, with that team, right. and then go into Lone Ranger. But then Gore called and said, "You know what? Sure, oh, yeah, I got yeah. a lot to get done. Yeah. Can you come over <laughs> here?" And I moved in over there. I moved to my studio next to his editing room, wow. Gore's, and we worked on the um, on the William Telfer, whatever the two months or something <laughs> that Hans was finishing Man of Steel, and then he came back over. Um, i don't remember how much time but it was not like it wasn't a sprint yeah, yeah. you know right was, yeah. yeah two months on on
1: one sequence that's yeah <laughs> versus two weeks on the first <laughs> pirates
0: yeah. that's true Yeah. you know and it's, it's interesting right it's yeah. an interesting thing to when you Both put it that war. way yeah <laughs> but uh, you but, know yeah,
1: and then result i mean it's like the best scene of the film and, oh, and you put it all you. together and i mean hans's themes are so great and i the love way the you, score the way yeah. you weaved yeah. it in there it's
0: yeah, everyone, again, critics suck, but I mean, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> Do you, you ever hear what um, Kurt Vonnegut's quote about critics? Yeah. He says, A critic is someone who puts on a suit of armor to fight a hot fudge Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? That's there have been true. a handful of critics that I really have sworn by. So, it's, yeah. you know, the problem is now that so many critics are actually people trying to generate ad revenue on their website Exactly, as opposed word. to i mean like no one would ever say roger ebert did didn't love film yeah do you know what i mean like it, every word was about his passion for film and when he right. didn't like a movie he just didn't like a movie you know and like you. opinion
1: too i mean you know <laughs> yeah that... everyone is roger Ebert. i mean roger Ebert's, i know Ebert, i know so yeah right There's... i feel like i feel like for critics that's i mean i write reviews on my site but i always make it a point to be more of kind of an analysis it's just my take on it you know sure because i think it's hard like if i i don't write scores so I mean, yeah i don't i can't see myself saying like well this is how it should have been I mean, no sure how it affected sure. me and i think something so i mean it's so subjective yeah it's like food like I totally can, i can like something and, can I, hate something, and music's is
0: such bad. a tough one because you, yeah. you you cannot talk people into it yeah you either like it or you don't right so. right you you know you met that guy that doesn't like the beatles or, right. you know what i mean and it's like a pointless argument yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's someone brought that up today with me actually but i remember i've thought that before where it's like you go you can't tell someone to like something just yeah. because you think I mean, it's, it's, it's
1: always fun to argue your points and have discussion. no i know i know i agree but yeah, i think yeah.
0: discussing cinema is yeah. one thing i think you know people get so
1: defensive about yeah. their opinions or, <laughs> or they'll attack you for your opinions and this just it gets ugly on the internet you know
0: <laughs> yeah i'd stay away from it but i do you know i do think i think there's a real value in what a great passionate Film loving critic right. can bring. Sure. I just think, like, when you, if I go on to Rotten Tomatoes and I see that like 280 people have written reviews for right. whatever movie, I mean, does anybody read 280 reviews of a movie before they go see it? Yeah. No. So do we really need 280 critics? Yeah. No. Exactly. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> you can cut that out of the interview. <laughs> um. So yeah, let's oh, so let's
1: jump into <laughs> <laughs> let's jump into Dead Man dead Men Tell No Tales. They I mean, do, yeah. So when none. this came up, uh, did you? When did you know that Hans was not going to do it and that he was passing the reins over to you and said,
0: <laughs> "Take it, it's yours." Probably right around Lone Ranger, actually. Wow. I knew it a long time yeah. ago. Cuz here's the thing, you know, there was there was no question in say Jerry's mind or Disney's mind yeah. after the Lone really after any of the pirates, but after Lone Ranger especially cuz they saw me, you know, get to the finish line on I mean, I'm going to just say I think that that William Tell overture cue regardless of whether you like it or not or like the movie or not right. was one of the hardest assignments in film music in the last decade yeah. and I'm not kidding. Yeah. Um so that I got to the end of that with Jerry Gore and Disney none of them wanting to murder me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's I good. think that <laughs> it, they you know they were all like wow, this is really something. You know, yeah. and that was like a big in the same way that Pirates 1 sort of elevated my um you know, people's opinion of me within the industry, uh, this was another big step. And I think if it weren't for Lone Ranger you know, it would have been a much harder thing. But right. I, there was no static from Jerry Bruckheimer with this right. idea and no static from Disney. In fact, it was they offered it, you know. Oh. So, um, and the way it started, we had a meeting a year and a half, I think, before the movie was shot. Yeah. Yoakam and Espen, who are the directors, right. Hans and myself. And it was just like, let's sit down and make sure this is going to work. Mm-hmm. I th- I, in other words, I think this is the director saying, let me make, you know, I want to meet Jeff. I want to know what this yeah. is like. And the four of us sat down and it really was like, first off, they're easy to get along with, but they had great ideas. They have, you know, they're like me, they want to take the franchise somewhere new right. without abandoning the things that we love about it. You know, and exactly. that's a tough thing to do, but that's, they're right. going like, you know, we have two questions, you know, <laughs> can we have the old themes? And Hans is like, yes, they're yours now, yeah. you know, because he trusts, you know, right. he trusts me, he yeah, knows that I know you what to do trust with them. With and yeah. And um, and can we go somewhere new with Salazar and, and with Karina and with you know there's the, there's a concept like the mythology of the sea, mm. which um, which relates to Poseidon's trident, right. and, You know, and those were the three main new musical concepts. But in truth, is that those three themes are about two thirds of the movie, or in some way or another, you know? Right. Um, so there's a lot of new ground but we left that meeting feeling great about it you know and I said good luck and you know (laughs) go have a good shoot and um, I mean it really was it was like a year and a half after that when uh, they had finished the shoot and we started to get into it I'd read the script not by that meeting, but somewhere in between. It was a long... I think it was a long pre-production. Mm-hmm. Because
1: it was originally, I think, slated for few, maybe two years ago, or last year, but Disney I think so. pushed it maybe a year. So it just gave you, I think, maybe more time, I guess.
0: Yeah. I yeah. mean, if we were coming out last summer, that would have been... Um, we would have had to start a little sooner, I yeah. think. But I think it did give more time, and that meant that... In fact, I think that helped the film. Yeah. Because there was you know, it's just a mass of visual effects and the bar never got lowered on yeah. any of it. You know what I mean? The deadlines mm. have a tendency to make things harder, you know? Right. I mean, there are amazing shots that get cut out of movies cause they yeah. don't have time to do them, yeah. you know? And that's a poor reason to have to do it. But I've seen it happen on, right. even on movies I've worked on uh, that didn't happen on this. Um, but yeah, so, so I read the script and then I set about to writing the new material. Um, So when you when you inherit
1: those themes, which are have become so iconic now, how do you uh, yeah do you do you? It's funny because I talked to Joe Kramer, who did Mission Impossible. Oh right. Oh yeah yeah. He's when he did Rogue Nation, he said he embraced the theme and put it into the DNA of his music. He didn't treat it as like a you know, like the James Bond theme, which just pops up for a James Bond moment. Yeah, but he kind of made it like the dun 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 like he would, okay, he would, be, break would it become down. like his and yeah, and I think I heard listening to that to to the score, I feel like you
0: did that in some ways. Maybe where you Yeah uh, Well I I see what you're saying. There let's see, there's there's a few different ways it gets treated though. Because, like for instance, Jack when you first see him, you know, you really want to hear Jack. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so that... You make him earn that theme. Yeah, oh, yeah. right, but that's a different sequence. But yeah. I mean, like, when his reveal in the movie, right. it's just, it's the Jack theme, you know, yeah. and it works great, and you go, oh, there's that thing. It's very, you know, Right. very Indiana Jones in that sense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You want to hear that tune applied. But then, uh, in the flashback, the Jack's theme again, um, there's a flashback sequence to when Jack is 10 years old, mm-hmm. and it's the moment in his life where he, you know, becomes jack sparrow basically right. yeah, yeah. so getting to sort of like apply this tune that we've known for you know four other movies right. and build it into this new scene in a new version I, mm. that's like i mean i love yeah. doing that you know in the same way that i would want to take the william tell overture and put myself through that for two months right. i will take the you know the jack sparrow theme and and, <laughs> and make jack earn it um <laughs> but uh but as far as the dna it's i, I think when you say you're here you hear the legacy music in the DNA yeah, of my I, score, Yeah, I, I actually think what's happening is you're recognizing my voice in the first four scores. Yeah. That's right. my guess. Yeah. Because, um, you know, while they were, of course, they were, they were Hans's scores, right. but I played a, a big role. Very big role, yeah. So there's... Actually, what I think is going to be interesting when this movie comes out and people have heard it, I think they're going to be able to go back and say, I bet that's Jeff, I bet that's Jeff, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and sort of find where my... Um, my voice is sort of already poked through a little right, bit. Right. Um, and so when you're hearing that, I, that's what I suspect is happening. But yeah, then, I mean, so of course, yeah, yeah. like, for instance, when I wrote Karina's theme, right, um, I did, it was like a long suite of it, and part of that suite uh, plays in a sort of rollicking fashion, kind of like he's a pirate. Right? Yeah, so yeah. then what we end up doing is going, well, that, that by the way, was the very first thing I played to Jerry and Yoko mm. and Espen, and they, You know, Jerry called it a home run and we kept looking for places to just put it in the movie, but that's not really how it works, but still informs you know, the scenes that we do, but in the end credits, right, where there's there's no scene, it's the end credits it's music only we actually played that music as I originally wrote it right and it marries very nicely with the he's a pirate stuff so you know so there's no tradition you know you have the pirates
1: and then it goes into the the, the, the unique themes for that exactly right
0: and so uh, that's why I thought like that's like a good place to start because it does instantly bridge the gap right you know what I mean like we're not throwing anything out we're staying in a you know in a place right but then you I mean guy like Salazar (laughs) He's just like yeah, He's I mean, such a good bad guy. So when you built that theme, because I felt like it, 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 feels like it's part of
1: uh, um, Blackbeard's a little bit. Was it just the?
0: I I don't what, know. But, it like a little that, phrase Um, maybe I think it's just it's just that. Uh, you know, we're trying to find a way for him to be just terrifying. Nice. Well, you didn't bring <laughs> with the cello. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, but here's the thing. You know, so you we were. All, I'm always thinking of like, say, Jack Sparrow, and you we, have forever think of Martin Tillman, solo acoustic yeah. cello, the drunk Jack, you know, right. that sound. And then, you know, my first thought was, what can stand up to that? What can stand up and make it into, you know, man against man, right, basically. Right. And I was sitting there going, you know, experimenting. Well, is it a different instrument? Is it this? Is it that? Yeah. Is it, you know. And at some point, it just occurred to me, no, it's not. It's a, it's the same instrument. It's a different attitude. It's right. a different anger, right? Yeah. So I, I tortured this poor cellist. Adam Peters actually played the Salzar theme on an electric cello, but but he played it three times, not exactly the same. So yeah. it becomes like a mash, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I, and then Martin Tillman, um, who is the voice of Jack Sparrow, right? You know, said put a different hat on for a second, and he played the he doubled it you yeah. know on an acoustic cello in the nastiest way that he possibly could <laughs> and when you put those six celllly together you get the army of cellos you know against Jack's one right yeah, and so yeah. it suddenly makes him he's outnumbered by Salazar and the crew and the power right. of Salazar and all yeah. of that stuff it becomes um a very um, like an organic way of doing that you yeah. know what I mean like it's and still the whole within score the world
1: felt organic. good
0: felt, it felt like um oh, that's good.
1: It 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 just felt I don't know, it felt had like it felt like it had more movement than the other ones, a little bit more orchestral okay. feel to it. I don't hmm. know. It was just my my take on it and it it just felt like it I don't know, it felt like it, it felt like it got a haircut, you
0: know, it was like it was good old look
1: <laughs> it, it, it had a fresh kind of good.
2: to
0: it. So I, good. I mean, oh, I appreciate you saying yeah. that. well because like I thought Salazar let us go darker than ever in yeah. some ways, you know. And um and we've had a lot of emotion in the early, particularly um, the third one at World End. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a some great like romantic emotion, but we go to a different place emotionally now. And I think, you know, as we expanded into this dark Salazar mm-hmm. world, we also expand for Karina mostly. Right. Into this, it's kind of a new. I'm tr- I'm trying not to spoil the movie. <laughs> <laughs> a new uh, emotional territory, and that and it pushes the the thing out a little bit, which yeah. I think is great you know because that's we're trying to expand on the pirate sound Because Karina gets something totally different she has this she's a scientist so there's the mechanical like the cycling on the there's bells in there yeah you hear him kind of the hammer on the bell and sort of knocking and it's scientific to me but it's also still aquatic and beautiful and you know she um She's the only person, really, that brings beauty into this movie, I think. Yeah. You know, so it's part of it, and, right. and, and it's she's aquatic, and it's, um. you know, th- there's really a deep story for her. She has the longest character arc and goes through the most changes, right. and she starts out just a scientist, everything can be explained by science, and Henry Turner feels, you know, he's specialist in knowing the myths of the sea, yes, and yeah. so they clash about this, right, and so at some point, she has to come to terms with, there are things you can't explain with science, and he has to come to terms with her as a force of nature, <laughs> but once she kind of realizes that, she's she can solve the puzzle, you know, she right. needs both halves, right. So, um, so there's a lot to her character, I think, sure. you know.
1: Also, the score, what I really loved, I don't know, it had, uh, I feel like you really amped up the, the swashbucklingness, but I don't know, oh, it felt, like it reminded me even more so like Corn Gold and more so of, ah. of kind of the old adventures okay. of, you know, Robin Hood and stuff like that. What, what and, um, I already forgot the name of the track, Bill's... Uh, the, oh, The Butcher's Bill. The Butcher's Bill. You have yeah. that really great thing going on there, just that, I don't know, it just feels... Really energetic and light. Good, and, yeah. Uh, you really.
0: It's interesting. Yeah. Then there's a whole there's a sequence on the on the album. It's called. Kill the filthy pirate. I'll wait. Yeah. I think Something like that. Yeah. Um, that has a, quite a bit of swashbuckling. Yeah, and, a lot of swashbuckling. Yeah. There. So yeah. there's or no woman has ever handled my Herschel yes. another one like that. And they, and they're very. Um, you know I. I they also in, go in and out of some of the classic themes you yeah, know and, and right. there's different versions of it but in the film you'll you'll feel it coming in and out of that yeah. um but yeah i mean I, I don't know if i was necessarily trying to do that but it, maybe um there's just something fun about yeah i think that the movies movie lines, lines just, itself to it i mean yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a pirate movie but it's, it's a, a pirate movie but it's a, we also it's a rock and roll pirate you know <laughs> we also had when you say organic we did it, we had a huge orchestra yeah. 99 players and sometimes we did 3 not playing the same thing. I would need three passes of the orchestra to get there for some of the size because I needed so many notes and um, then a 48-piece choir and then we had live percussion, um, which by the time we were done was 24 passes, you know, instruments. And and I think it adds up to something, you know what I mean? It feels, a lot of it was played out into a room and, you know, it doesn't mean we didn't go and, you know, Kind of expand the low end with oh, sand yeah, for and, sure. You know, like, you we still add, do that. Yeah. And it's like, an, in <laughs> it's way, like It gives that weight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially, you know, we're we are sort of literally parting the ocean in some of this movie, yeah. and you need to have this mass. Like, it's got to feel yeah. profound for you sure know. yeah
1: well, I, I mean i love the score i mean it's, it's, it's really great i mean thank you very much i think you did such a fantastic job i mean it's such a daunting task to come into that but you know, but they're well, all daunting it, like yeah. all four all of them they <laughs> all five of them have been daunting you know? i get it <laughs> so um <laughs> just to kind of talk generally a little bit sure. um uh you know i you've done such a varied amount of uh independent films and yeah. multi-billion dollar franchises and mm. and uh taking approaches for these different characters and and stuff like that. And I think we talked around the time of All Life of Timothy Green, how you mm-hmm. being a father allowed you to kind mm-hmm. of connect to that story more and score it properly. Sure. So how often is your work, I guess, as a composer, autobiographical in the sense ah, that well. how often does your own experiences of joys and pains get put into yeah. a scene? Or is it more like, I know how to make sad music. Then, no. You know, like how often do you pull from inside your own experience because i mean you're you're not a pirate you don't know how no i know <laughs> like, no but
0: but, like... but i i i feel like the answer is sort of always yeah. it comes somehow from me but right. no you're right i'm not a pirate but yeah. but um to relate but, to the yeah but i have to find a way to relate personally to things right. otherwise i'm not i don't uh terrified i'm terrified of music that is soulless yeah, especially if I write wrote it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I don't want. That's so. That's the thing that I.
1: Is it vulnerable writing from that yeah. point of view? Yeah, sure, I mean, totally.
0: It... Yeah, but but I think um, but I think it's important, and 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 here's why. If if the, there's always going to be someone, maybe a lot of people that don't like something that I've written, right? Yeah. but they can. There has to be something. There has to be a last. You know, corner of the room that I can stand on if the yeah. rest of it's being painted with blood mm-hmm. that keeps me safe. And that little corner is I'm in the music. Yeah. And you don't get to say that I didn't apply myself. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, so sure. if I, so that's the thing that, that is my castle mm-hmm. you know and you can say it but you're wrong right. you can say my music sucks and you might be right, right. do you know what i mean but yeah. you can't say oh he didn't put himself into it right. do you know what i mean so exactly. so, so that's why yeah. i say always but of course i'm not a pirate but i can get into the <laughs> yeah. idea yeah. of <laughs> of <laughs> Of the characters. I mean, yeah, Johnny Depp isn't a pirate a either, but yeah, look yeah. what he did with Jack, right? right? So, so um, in that case, you know, I like treating the orchestra with a little bit of irreverence and some rock and roll, and that is that is part of me. I yeah. I do love classical music, but I'm not reverent about it. Right. Sorry, I yeah. should be. You know, and that, and I don't mean that... <laughs> of course Beethoven's <laughs> a better composer than me. I don't mean that. Yes, <laughs> I yes. just mean, like... At the same time, I would not have a problem taking something he wrote and completely torturing it. You know, right. I, I don't think that's. Because that's off-limit. him. that's Beethoven. Right. That's so not you. I, yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, like, you know, if I were reverent, I couldn't have t- touched the William Tell overture. Right. I just said, that's, that piece of music, that's how it goes. Right. But it isn't to me. That's just. I, I love that piece of music. <laughs> yeah. But it can also go this way, you know. Right. So. And I, I always think of it as like music is malleable and you can do you can do all sorts of things with it. And, right. You know, like like I remember like on these Pirates movies where they come out with like the remix album. Right. Yeah. yeah And people, and you know, some DJ, people don't TSO, like yeah. it. Or, yeah. But I go like even if I don't like it. Right. It's a new way to hear this piece of music and someone, you know what I mean? Like yeah, so, yeah. So they, hopefully broker-take? the people who made it were passionate about it. Right. You know, who knows? If they weren't then I have a problem with it. But if they, you know, if they thought, okay, I can do something interesting with this, and then they did, great. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I've heard all of the remixes yeah, on that album. Yeah, a lot of remixes. Yeah, but I mean, like, I I don't have a problem. I think it's interesting, you know? Yeah. I think there's a really is um, the sort of mashup culture and the DJ, um, the rise of the DJ is actually sort of a testament to the right. idea that this is a valid way to do something. For sure. It's not the same thing as playing a violin concerto but it's not supposed to be yeah yeah you know what i mean exactly so anyway
1: (laughs) so at this stage in your career um kind of moving up through the ranks and becoming you know where you are now what's your view of the film industry today coming right now in 2017 (laughs) (laughs) what are i mean good things happening what are not so good things happening i mean not just for music but maybe as the
0: entertainment industry as a whole is there something right what
1: what are the what is your kind of view
0: of it i think (laughs) <laughs> from a music standpoint I'm a little bit sheltered because I've been so um, Right a lot of the last few things I've done have been very tuneful which mm-hmm. is not trend right right now right, exactly mean. Like it's really yes. sort of uncommon but Pirates is a tune yeah. you know driven thing oh, For sure um, and Mordecai was and you know I, I guess um I've been sort of sheltered from some of that mm-hmm. um but I do you know I don't know if it's good or bad. I think there's music is typically a lot more textural and and um gestural I'd say mm. than it uh well, I guess it was always gestural, <laughs> but i but it's you know it has evolved too yeah and I, sure, part yeah. of it's the way the films are made right you we know, you used to get a thirty second establishing shot and you played a tune there you yeah. know um you don't really get that as much anymore um I think one of the greatest things that's happening right now is um series that are being released in like say Netflix or Amazon or any sure. you know like or, or I mean even just Showtime or HBO but I think sort of inarguably compelling you know, I don't want to say television. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's compelling thing to watch, right? right? Movie or right? Yeah. And that—that's what's always going to be interesting. You know, I, I think it's—it's it's hard to imagine a pirate series because you know this is—it's about that massive spectacle, and it takes a right. lot to do that. But um, I mean, Game of Thrones is massive, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. Like it's an, So I think these are like really positive things for um, for what's and there's so much content now. Yeah, you know. I, the reality is oh, there's yeah, so much funny. that I don't get to watch I most know, of it. It's true, I know, true. <laughs> but I, I wish I did, you I know. know
1: but... you, everyone's like, oh, have you watched this? No, haven't had no. the time yet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, but 280 people reviewed it. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's true, though, and I think that's a positive, though. And I think, um, I think the movie industry is doing something interesting right now with the, um, you know, a lot of the sequels are fresh and interesting sometimes they're not and that's tricky right um but at the same time you know a sequel only exists because people want more of something yeah You're, do you know what I mean? I mean so they uh, wouldn't
1: uh, be making them if people weren't so
2: you know. right
0: and they will yeah right yeah. and if and it just it actually means you made something great enough that people want to go back and, and see it, it again yeah, see something sure. you know yeah. um I am curious,
1: though, at this stage in your career, I mean, do you still set like, uh, I guess, like a, a career goals for yourself? Are you do, you do you you know? Lots of people have a, a five year plan. We're gonna oh, see yeah. myself in five years. I, don't, I, it's not I a wish, job but are you just <laughs> taking things as they come, or do you kind of have goals for yourself that you want
0: to achieve um, with the music that you're writing? The or... gosh, it's funny. Uh, I don't really have like, I don't. I probably should have things like five year <laughs> plans, but I don't. Um, and I think part of that is. I mean it was sort of 3 years ago that I knew I had pirates in my you know what I mean yeah. so that was my 3 oh, through, year plan I knew plan. you know it no matter no matter what happens <laughs> this is coming right. you know and I and I thought about it a lot um so I guess now having finished it is like the first time I've had to go and like Oh, I don't, you know, I don't have a giant movie like like just waiting for me to catch yeah. up to time or you right, know what I mean yeah, yeah. Uh, to make it happen. But um no, I don't really do that. I don't. Um yeah, I mean, you it, know, I'd certainly love to whatever David Kep wants to do next or any yeah. or, or Peter Hedges or you know what I mean like yeah. there's a lot of guys I've had great experiences working with and I can't right. wait for them to do something else. But um you know, as far as I you know, you said, do I take it as it comes? I think yes, yeah. because, you know, oftentimes it's like, oh, this is a chance to meet a new director. Let's see if I, if yeah. I like him. You know, l- let me see. And it's it's very rare that I don't Take something. I mean, sometimes they can't do something because of schedule or right. something Maybe like it's that. Interesting but it's, and yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, you always
1: find a way. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, I, I mean, mean, look, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely it's a, it's a trait of the job too. I think where it's, yeah, it's yeah. what comes next, and it's and yeah. you have to adapt to it. I think That's right.
0: Like, yeah, yeah, and and you know, there's a, it's, something's always coming. You know what I mean? Mm. And like, and I do have plenty of stuff going on. It's yeah, just, yeah. it's like, you know, <laughs> there. I don't know that there's like, like a like a a goal in that sense right but i mean i certainly think i'm lucky that people call yeah. me and say well, do you want to write some music for me right
1: for sure that's
0: it's not a given yeah you know? so well it's deserved for oh, sure
1: thank you. <laughs> um so kind of to wrap it up if you could uh be any other job on a movie set besides the composer on a movie set okay. on any on a movie mm. but behind the scenes on production and
0: post-production pre-production what what would you choose
1: if you could have a different career
0: um if i knew more words i could be a writer (laughs) um but kind of that actually do you know what i mean like i think i I actually think you know composers become composers because they gravitate to story right so
1: because you're storytellers exactly you
0: know um and uh and i think writers do the same thing do you you know what i mean so like i think i think it would probably be that and then instead of spending 20 years learning how to play an instrument or hunch over a piano or learn these computer <laughs> programs i would have just learned more words yeah. <laughs> <The> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding i'm not no. trying to <laughs> oversimplify but you know what i mean like exactly. I, I could i could Better i could
2: see it. myself do that because yeah. you know there's an architecture well, to i it always similar.
1: always thought that composers could be good writers in a sense probably. um i also think that composers out of out of films would be good therapists because I think you guys are so in <laughs> tune with emotions this is true. and yeah. characters, yeah. and I really think that there's a connection there. with I feel like you know, probably directors like, well what is he feeling now?" And you're like, "Well, this is what he's feeling because he just yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and so often we become the director's therapist exactly. because I mean, you
0: have to realize those men and women are going through wars sometimes. Yeah, Not always, but sometimes. Yeah, I mean, they're with it yeah. from. Beginning yeah. to end. I right. mean, sometimes and it's, you are too, yeah. but, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, I think for a director, sometimes it's contentious. Sometimes, even if it isn't, they're worried about making the best movie they can. Yeah. You know, all of us are doing that thing and looking up at the movie, right? Yeah. In the, under good circumstances, right. anyway. And it keeps all of us up at night. Yeah. You know, we don't. you don't get... Um, it doesn't it's not a switch you don't yeah. just turn it off and go to bed <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. i dream music still and you know and a lot of times i wish i didn't you know but uh, well that's probably not true but it can be hard to fall asleep for sure you know and i'm sure that writers and directors do exactly the same thing they you know there there's no dispassionate director yeah. there's no dispassionate composer you know yeah. that's what i mean, that's that's what how would... we're built <laughs> everyone is trying to do the best work and i think no one always
1: no one's trying to make a shitty movie no i know it's never the goal and i know know. it's all opinions and everything but i mean in the end uh i think your work is amazing and i just want to thank you again for your for your time no no problem thank you such a great to catch up and chat about everything
0: yeah good as well you know it's a good time for it i feel like it's you know i have a lot to say (laughs) so very good good night